Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Oh, my goodness. So excited about today's show. Got a full house of friends here, and we've been talking about things like crazy. I'm just on fire for these topics. So, first of all, let's just welcome our guests. We have Pastor John Moreland of Denver Christian Bible Church. Hello, DCBC Pastor Moreland. Hello. Uh, therapist Lisa, Lisa Dunning here as she joins us always on Therapy, Therapy Tuesdays. Hello. Happy Tuesday, all. And then we also have a guest speaker today. This is Stacy Voss. She's a friend of mine, an author and a speaker. Uh, StacyVoss.com. She's been involved in ministry work for years. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So we are going to touch on the whole Ashley Madison topic. And Stacy is so kind. She wrote to me and said another ministry uh, and radio program had been interested in talking to her because she's been open about the fact that she's been involved in ministry and that uh, her husband was unfaithful and how it feels to be on the other end of that. And then also in terms of that whole Ashley Madison website thing, we've even been hearing about a couple of suicides related to that. And there's a Christian blogger that was caught on that website and also John Josh Duggar, well-known in the Christian world. Uh, so that's going to be our second topic, but I wanted to start, as I always do, with good news. And Pastor Morley, I specifically thought of you when I came across this story, because um, I know you're in the process of adopting a couple of little boys, Correct. and they're about the same age about, as this little boy we're going to talk about. And I have a real heart for, because people had opened their doors to me as a kid, whether it was formally in my uh, pro, in my. Um, a foster care situation that I was in with a, a family that was formalized or whether it was just friends in high school when things got difficult at home with my brother's drug use and the violence that I could just go and sleep on their couch or in a spare room, an aunt, a, a grandmother, um, different people that kind of opened their doors to me. So I have a real heart for people who want to help kids because you know they're in these situations that are difficult generally through no fault of their own. Yeah. You don't ask to grow up poor. You don't ask to grow up abused. You don't right. ask to grow up in a drug-addicted family. Mm -hmm. And these kids oftentimes aren't given a shot. So this police officer is working in an elementary school. And the reason that they have these resource officers is because after Sandy Hook, this particular elementary school district the school district decided they would have um, a cop, basically, in every school. And so he started seeing this boy, and he's been moved around to like nine or ten different foster homes, and he had to help fill out an abuse report. And he just felt in his heart that maybe he could make a difference in his wow. life. And, of course, I'm going to start crying. Cause every time I hear these stories, like, I find them, they touch my heart, and it, it never ceases to, like, touch my heart. The next time I play mm. it, like, I can play it four times, and I'll cry every time. <laughs> Let's try. Here's number one. Here's the first play on the show. Spartanburg School District 6 made this video to celebrate its resource officers. Walking through the halls at school, you just see them here and they're really friendly. District 6 was the first district in Spartanburg County to put a resource officer in every school following the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary in Connecticut in 2012. They made you feel part of the school. Spartanburg County Master Deputy Mike Gibson started off working at the district's Child Development Center while he was off duty. Ultimately, spending the day here became his job. But here they get to see us, you know, as part of the school, and they get to learn uh, 
hey, the police are our friends. Gibson had no idea his family would change when he joined District 6's. He started off calling him police officer or, or officer Mike, and then he just said officer dad, and then dad, but before we even got him. So he was searching. I mean, he was a child definitely in need of, of parents, and that's, and that's what he wanted. And fortunately, that's what he got. It started when Gibson had to write a report about a student who'd been abused. When I saw him, I said, it was just something tugged at my heart. I said, I can, I can help this child. He's six, this little boy. Wow. So when he fills out this report, he realizes he could make a difference in his life. So he's got to talk to his wife about this, right? Hmm. Right? He's got to talk to us. He can't just do this. He can't just say, I want to foster this kid and then end up adopting him. Because as you know, Pastor Merlin, right. in the course of what you guys are going through, yeah. there's a big fa uh, home study. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 And so he talks to his wife. And his, uh, his wife talks about how the officer had always wondered, if I had the chance to make a difference in someone's life, like, would I have the courage to do it? And many of us don't, because making a difference in someone's life is inconvenient. That's right. Making a difference in someone's life is not easy. That's right. And I can't remember, oh, I know, I asked your wife, Pastor Moreland, how do you feel about adopting these two little boys? And because uh, you have four kids already. Yeah. And she said, it's the right thing to do. That's what your wife told me. It's the right thing to do. Yeah, it was tough when we first started um, because things happened so quickly. You know, ours was a family adoption and we had a, a young lady in our family who wasn't doing the right thing and the state stepped in and so on and so forth. And so for us, it was like, uh, at first there was this sense of obligation, you know, that said, here we have these two boys who are, are And my... you're the pastor, you do it. Yeah. You mean like, you know, everybody looks <laughs> yeah. at you in the room. Oh, well look at Pastor yeah. Marland. Well, the good thing is I really felt like I came to the point where I could have said no, if, if we just couldn't have done it or it would have put us, uh, or our kids at a place of liability or our marriage, you know, I, I could have said no. Uh, but after talking about it and praying about it, it got to the point where we could not not do it. Uh, I, just the thought of looking at any kids, you know, who um, you have an opportunity to give them an opportunity. Right. Uh, and to see how many kids go into the foster care system and the adoptive system. And I'm certainly not knocking that system because we need it. No system is perfect, though. And so there are a lot of kids who wind up molested, abused, neglected. I can tell you the saddest story that I ever heard, but I, I can, 15 years later, after being uh, this story, encountering this story as a police officer, I cannot tell it without crying, so I'll, if you want to hear it later, I will. Uh, but I look at the system, and I'm thankful for it, but it's not perfect. And if we can keep two kids out of that system, great. Right. Great. All right, so I'm going to share the rest of this, and then I'd actually like to hear some of the story. Because oh, I, wow. I think people need to hear some of these stories, because I think a lot of times we live in our Highlands Ranch homes. And if you're in Portland or Birmingham, that's just a real nice suburb of Denver. Yeah. You live in your Highlands Ranch home, and you've got a nice backyard and a dog and two cats yeah. and two kids. And we forget that there are kids out there who might just need a mentor. You yeah. don't have to adopt every kid. You might just go to the rescue mission and be a mentor to the kids that are in, you know, the, the crossing, the family shelter. You know, yeah. you don't have to change the world, but you could definitely impact a life. So let's hear part two. So the officer then goes on to talk to his wife. And we won't hear from the child. They're protecting the child's identity, which I respect. And they were told, um, the officer and his wife, that this child was unadoptable at six years old, that he had behavioral problems. But they're not seeing that in their loving family. Yeah. The little boy had been in and out of eight or nine foster homes before he met Gibson. He said, in all my years in law enforcement, he says, I've never felt led to do something. He says, but I feel like God's telling me that we can help this one. 
I was on board. In 2014, Gibson and his wife Kimber went through months of certification to become the boy's foster parents. Some of the workers that we spoke to told us that he was an unadoptable child because of his behavioral issues. Still, the Gibsons, who already had three children, adopted him. He said that during his time in law enforcement, he never really truly knew if he had the opportunity to change somebody's life. But with him, we know we've changed, you know, he's changed somebody's life. But he's changed ours probably more than we changed his. That is why District 6 is celebrating all the resource officers, not just for the badge, but for the heart behind it. You're kind of like a superhero somewhat to him. Or in his case, super dad. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. All right, but you don't want to tell the story, do you? <laughs> oh, I don't mind telling it. Okay, so you were a police officer before you were a pastor, and yeah. so you encountered such family situations that were not good. Yeah, I don't, one of the things that I think this is a good place to make an awareness of is teachers, parents, PTO members have no idea how many kids come to their school from group homes who are not coming from... Oh, I didn't uh, know that either. Oh, gosh. There is a, there's an entire population of kids in every school in America that are coming there from group homes. They're coming there from um, uh, these kind of large residential foster homes, if you will. But nonetheless, I was working in Albuquerque and I got a call for a kid, seven, eight, nine years old, who was stealing at a local convenience store. It was a shoplifting call. And so I got there and I got on scene and this kid was there and, and I took him into custody. And I was a rookie, you know, couldn't think past my fingertips. You know, it was just who's the next person to put the handcuffs on. And so, uh, so he was sitting in the back of my car and I started talking to him and I said, why in the world are you stealing corn and bacon? It's not like you can cook it. I mean, he was seven, eight, nine years old. And he was disrespectful and loud and cussing and yelling. And when I asked a question, he started crying. And he said, I wasn't going to cook it. I was going to eat it. And then he started telling me this story about living in this group home there. And he was just talking about how they have no food and... Um, you know, the meals are not proportionate to what they need. And, you know, there's a teaspoon of this and a little bit of that. And it just hit me in the heart. Like, here's a, you know, nine-year-old kid who's going to eat raw bacon and corn out of the can because of how hungry he was. Um, it's just one of those moments you don't forget. Right. Yeah. Well, I have to say just that, you know, all these stories, you know, I have a heart for kids and I think that we all just need to step back because I think there's so many ways to give. And I re recently did an interview with a woman that said it's not just about writing the check. And many of us think, well, I'm not in a financial position to give, but we might be able to give in other ways, yeah. you know, and it doesn't have to be complicated. You know? you know, and I do want to share because it's funny, my background was I was a foster care social worker and that's where I started. So I saw those kids, you know, and I'd go into their homes. I wouldn't remove them. They were already in foster care at that time. I see. But I do want to tell people, you're right, Angie, you know, these kids get a lot of gifts during the Christmas times and, and you know, Thanksgiving, we get right. the baskets. It's those other days that we forget about them. And I think that's what's more important. Go be a mentor. You don't have to adopt every child. Please, my home, I'd probably have like a thousand kids right now. But... <laughs> 
you can make a difference by being present and really being involved in that child's life for even that moment, playing ball, teaching them something, valuing them. And that's really important, especially when they feel devalued. Well, and see this little man right here. He was at family camp mm -hmm. and another, another, um, he's, 10 Anthony and not he's not here he's in another state um that so I'm using his name should be fine um anyway um, one of the grandmothers who comes to the camp she, she brought Anthony and uh he really hit it off with hope then again who wouldn't hit it right. off <laughs> so loving right so he took um a Whoppers container and he wrote um on like you know the candy he wrote um dear hope you are the best friend I've ever made at family camp. All the people here are so nice. Mm -hmm. You know, but he'd never been encountered. He'd never encountered so many nice people. And that grandmother bringing him may not seem like a big deal because family camps maybe sixty five bucks to bring him, right? Uh, he, and they brought his little brother as well. And so, in talking to Anthony, I found out there are fourteen kids in his family. And he said, "I'm the oldest." I said, "You're ten. And I started to get it. You know that there are fourteen kids and there's different moms and different dads, and they move around a lot and live in different mm -hmm. places. So, just that one week experience that grandmother took him on, he got to. Uh, be around people who were caring and loving towards him and he and his brother would not leave me alone you know what I mean like they just sensed that I was loving towards my children and want to be part of our group and so that letter that he wrote on the Whoppers box about how hope was the best friend he'd ever met, met, made I kept that and I put it inside my Bible it smells delicious like Whoppers <laughs> of course but it just was a small um, token of a, a reminder that you can impact people just in small ways even if we don't get to see him again mm -hmm. and so I pulled his grandmother aside and I asked if there was a, it's not even his grandmother by the way in a group home right. she had known uh, one of the mothers right. of one of the one of the boys in the family and has become like a grandmother but she said I can only help them when I can find them and they move around a lot and sometimes some of the mothers will you know live together or live in a trailer together mm -hmm. so I tried to do something that would you know, help the boys um, through the grandmother. And she said, you know what, this is so ki kind of you. But she said, I have to tell you that the fact that it came from you and your family and you had such an impact on them, that's what's going to make a difference to Anthony is that, and I just love it. He got in front of the whole um, group because you get to sing sometimes songs, you know, at lunchtime. And I have this little video of him. And I sent all these videos to the grandmother to then be sent on to their mothers because I took pictures of them just like my own kids mm -hmm. and yeah. made sure that I documented their experience of that week. That's a tiny thing. But what they learned was that there are loving families and people who care out there and that they're no different than my kids and that they deserve that love, uh, even if they're not getting it, that they're capable, that they that they are still good enough, Definitely. that they deserve it. And they're no different than my kids. Angie, one thing that I want to mention you know, maybe you're not in a place to adopt or do foster oh, care. Oh, I wanted to take him home. If yeah. it would have fit in my suitcase. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And his little brother. Yeah. Oh, I mm -hmm. loved him. But there is a program out, and we just had him at our church this past Sunday, called Whiz Kids. Mm -hmm. if you're not familiar with it. Um, they mentor, or excuse me, they tutor kids in math and science. It's an hour a week, um, and there are locations literally across the metro area. You don't have to feel like you're doing it by yourself. There is a teacher present. This is not Oh, so you, like, you're kind of like the buddy, and right. you help as much as you can, but there's a right. teacher to help too. Yeah, this is not like calculus or, mm. or, or anything like that. Uh, this is basic addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. We've had individuals at our church who have done it. 
and 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 love it. And so this is a small way where you can get involved and give back if you're not able to. And I mentioned the Denver Rescue Mission. You can mentor, and that also is a small little piece of your yeah. time. And these kids are living in a, in a shelter, and then you can help them with their homework or whatever, and they just get a special time with you. Mm-hmm. Right. These are small. And, you know, of course, we've all heard of big brothers, big sisters. My nephew, whose father is not in his life, I've mentioned that brother's a homeless meth addict. We haven't heard from him now in over a year. And uh, Levi excels in school, and when he had this special event, he had to pick three special people to be there with him. Of course, it was his mother and me mm-hmm. um, and his big brother that he's had since he was four. Well, now he's 16. He's had the big brother for 12 oh, wow. Wow. years. Wow. That's who he chose. Not mm-hmm. his aunts and uncles and all these, well, this aunt. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not all these family members. That's who he chose, his big brother who's been with him all these years. Yeah. So, yeah, people can really make a difference, you know, in someone's life. And it doesn't have to be an adoption. It doesn't have to be a foster parent. That's Just right. think about, pray about what you could handle. Mm-hmm. All right, so now let's touch on this topic um, of Ashley Madison. We're just going to kind of introduce the topic of the website. And um, I think a lot of people, here's the problem I have with Christians that get caught doing bad things. Then everybody goes, oh, those Christians are hypocrites. So when Josh Duggar came out and said, yes, I was part of that molestation uh, situation with four sisters and um, and, and, uh, someone outside of the family, so allegedly five victims of Josh when he was a teenager. And then he's found on this Ashley Madison website when he was working for, you know, a family values, a political organization lobbying organization. And uh, then there's another vlogger who'd recently been in the headlines because he and his wife had um, talked about their pregnancy on a video. And then they announced, um, he surprised her, letting her know that she was pregnant somehow. And then uh, there was a video that they then they went viral when they announced that she'd miscarried the baby. And now he's, of course, gone viral because they found him on this Ashley Madison website. So he's put out another video saying, hey, my wife's forgiven me, etc. But I think sometimes when Christians put themselves out in the line light and they're not living a life of the Lord or they're not following, they're not walking the talk, it really puts the rest of us Christians in a bad spot. I have to be answered. I, honest, I'm irritated with them. I forgive them, but I don't forgive the fact that they want to be famous and then they're not living the life. And they want to be famous as a Christian, but they're not walking the talk. Yeah, yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. I think there are a lot of lessons to be learned from, you know, the outing of this Ashley Madison piece. First of all, I am glad that it is out, and I hope that this website will come down as a result of it. I am, and that's why they did it, right? The hackers yeah. said they did it because they wanted this this website for cheaters taken down. Yeah. I am not happy about the fallout that has come from it. Suicides. I, I, yeah. yeah, I think there's some valuable lessons. Number one, especially for the Christian, you cannot hide and manage sin. The Bible is clear. Your sin will find you out. Um, number two you cannot hide on a website. You know, this, I mean, give me a break, right? You know, I mean, it tracks back to their addresses. You can yeah. make up your, you can make up an email, yeah. but your credit card is tracked to your address. Well, forget your credit card. I mean, if, if the right forensic technician or technologist or professional wanted to find you, they can. And there are people out there that are just that good, either for malicious purposes or, you know, for what they may consider to be healthy purposes, you know, albeit maybe uh, a bad way to go about it, the people who have who have outed Ashley Madison. And so uh, you cannot hide on a website. And then lastly, but most importantly, 
we need to be faithful to our spouses, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. bottom line. Well, and you know, the two suicides, one, it's really disturbing. Um, he's a captain, Gorman, allegedly, you know, on that website as well, who served 25 years with the San Antonio Police Department in yeah. Texas, who may have taken his own life just days after his email account and information were leaked. So, um, and, and another suicide. And so now Ashley Madison's offering uh, up to $500,000 for the hackers to be revealed. But I don't know how revealing the hackers helps that much. Here's what I want to get out of this, because this is the good news. I want to talk to, when we get back from the break, Stacy Voss, a friend of mine who's an author and speaker, and she's been involved in ministry for years. And she reached out to me because another radio program reached out to her and wanted to talk about her experience being the one um, on the other end of the unfaithfulness. And I think this is a good thing for um, men and women to listen to because oftentimes we don't think about the ramifications of our behavior. And because Stacy was the one whose spouse cheated on her, she may be able to give us an inside yeah. scoop on the pain and destruction and the families that are ruined over websites like this Ashley Madison website. So Stacy, we're going to talk to you when we get back. Sounds good. All right, I'll be right back with the good news. We know that God loves us, and He gave His Son for us. This is where love lives. 810 KLVZ. Hey, it's Angie Austin with the good news. I would love for you to come to our women's conference on October 3rd. Michelle, Ron, what are we going to talk about? Oh, we're going to talk about fabulous things to make you better every single day. And I'm going to talk about attitude and choices. Make the choice to come. You'll be glad. And I'm going to talk about becoming a victor rather than a victim. And with some stories from my childhood and what I overcame that I hope will help and touch you. Robbie Yopes, you went last year. You'll be the MC this year. What was it like last year? Life-changing. It was amazing. Please come. Don't miss out on this. Invest in yourself. And Tyra, you're my favorite singer in the United States of America, and you're going to be singing for us. How is it to be involved this year? It is exciting. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. He's going to do something pretty darn awesome. Amen. It was my dream to have like a Women of Faith Denver type event, and that's what we had last year, and we're having it again this year. It's on October 3rd. If you're feeling low, if you're feeling blue, if you need to pick me up, if you need a hug from Jesus, please come. Go to AngieAustinRadio.com. Click on Upcoming Events. Hi, it's Angie. Would you like to have a bigger business or grow your nonprofit and make more money for your charity? I would love to help you. If you like the good news, if you believe in what we do, we work with our sponsors personally. And I have friendships. I know everyone that works on the good news as an advertiser myself. And so I would love to help you build your business. And I would love to have you help support the good news if you enjoy it. And I love to work with nonprofits, as you know. So please contact me if you have questions. And News at gmail.com. Again, it's News at gmail.com if you'd like to partner with the good news. When achieving your dreams is a bit more difficult than you thought, Infinite Nation is here to help. Carrie Conley is the co-creator of Infinite Nation, and she knows that when your vision is big enough, you can create infinite success. Go to InfiniteNation.com to learn more about the upcoming Vision is Victory workshop on August 27th and get your tickets. During this all-day event, Carrie will teach you how easy it is to get yourself on the right path to making your big dreams a reality. She will show you how to reconnect with and clarify your vision and create measurable and achievable goals for the short and long-term success. 
If you are unable to attend the Vision is Victory event on August 27th, you can still make your dreams a reality by requesting a free Vision Check phone call with Carrie Conley. She will help you discover how easy it is to get yourself on the journey to achieve your dreams. Call 720-331-8693. 720-331-8693. And go to infinitenation.com. This is a good place. I really like it. This is Eric. He's an ambassador with ARC Thrift Stores. Yeah, I started at the Brick Break and sorting the different Brick Break stuff also. Then I went to the showcase and then I got hired to be a cashier. He knows that with hard work and dedication that he will advance in the workplace because he also knows. They trust you to do a good job. And he loves where he works. I'm the opening cashier, so I'm there from 8 a.m. to 4.30 and I have to make sure the registers are ready to go. The right tags are on the computer so we could get the right discounts on there and make sure there's enough bags. Support ambassadors like Eric and the differently abled people in your community by shopping at ARC Thrift Stores. It's a very good place. It's Everybody's real positive and it feels good to be around that. ARC needs your donations of gently used clothing and household items. To find the most convenient donation station, donation box, or ARC Thrift Store location, go to arcthrift.com. That's arcthrift.com. Yeah, overall I'm very happy and thankful, like I said, about ARC. His love expressed for us right here on 810 KLVZ, where love lives. Welcome back to the good news. Well, the good news, it's a tough topic today, but I don't want to avoid things just because they're difficult, because I think these are conversations that real Christians need to have. You've heard about uh, several people being revealed who were in the limelight, Christians as well as non-Christians, regarding the Ashley Madison hack, and that is a... um, Life is short. It's too short to not have an affair. I think that's their their tagline, something of the sort. It's like life is short. It's it's too short to not live for the Lord is what I say. I mean, come on. We don't have that much time here. Let's try to uh, do the right thing. So uh, there have been a couple of suicides that may be linked to this. There have been some Christians. I mentioned a vlogger at the beginning who's been revealed um, and also Josh Duggar. And then my girlfriend, Stacey Voss, who is an author, speaker, and um, has been involved in ministry for years, said another radio program wanted her to talk about being on the receiving end, being the victim of this, the um, the spouse whose spouse cheats on her. And I think it's something we need to listen to because oftentimes we jump into these things and don't think about um, how the other, how our partner and our families are going to suffer because these affair websites, they tear families apart. And Pastor Moreland's here uh, on Therapy Tuesday and so is Therapist Lisa as well as Stacey Voss. So feel free, Pastor Moreland and Therapist Lisa, because you've both had many occasions, I'm sure, when whether it's parishioners or a client come in, and these are problems you guys have had to deal with, correct? Definitely. Yeah. All right, Stacy. So, talk about you wrote to me, and you said this is not something I really like to talk about, but would it help other people to know what it's like to be uh, married to someone who cheats, cheats on you? Who's, it, by the way, was a Christian as well? Right. I mean, even how you were mentioning earlier about, I think it was um, your the pastor's wife of saying, you know, it wasn't what she wanted to do, but it was the right thing or something. So. Um, Honestly, I have no desire to be here today. This is something I just really feel like I'm supposed to do because that was hands down the worst experience of my life. There's nothing that can prepare you to find out that your spouse is cheating. It rips at a soul level. There's pain in life, but I don't know. I I really cannot begin to imagine any other level of pain as there as there is with knowing that your spouse is cheating, of knowing that somebody who claims to be your soulmate, who has committed their life to you, has this whole other life that you had no idea about. Um, In my case, it was email accounts I didn't know about, women I didn't know about, this whole other life that I had 
no idea and it shreds to the deepest deepest place and we're not just talking about a husband who went to church with you once or twice a month we're talking you were in another country doing mission work so let's Absolutely. explain a little bit of that because your life was dedicated to bringing others to the lord what he wasn't a casual christian let's put it that way right yeah he devoted his life um we both did to serving the lord to um at that time we were reaching out to youth working on youth ministry that made it really challenging. I was in a different country. I needed to come home because obviously he was fired for his actions. And so I lost my work visa. I had no idea how to go about leaving. How so do you not only are you in another country and you're doing missions work, but when he was found out, he lost his, you know, Christ-based job, his Christian employment. Yes. And so you also lost your job. So you lost yes. your husband, your family was ripped apart, you were in another country, and you could no longer be involved in this ministry. They fired you too. Right. Yeah, we were hired as a couple, fired as a couple. He used our boss as an alibi, so therefore our boss pretty much found out as I found out. How did you find out? Because I think that's important is, you know, obviously it didn't sound like he told you. So um, in my situation, he had been talking about going to Houston for a very long time. It was the only direct flight out of the out of the city in Mexico where we were living. And he kept having different reasons every day. It would be something else. Well, I want to go there and see my best friend. Well, your best friend doesn't live there. Well, I want to go there. And, you know, it, I mean, it became a foul word. And in our book, I finally was like, please just don't say that word to me. Houston. Uh, you, yeah, sorry, Houston. I was like, don't say that word. You know, it was like, this this city is now off limits. Mm -hmm. And so one day we were, we had our staff meeting, staff of two, but determining what we were doing for the upcoming weeks. And I said, well, let's do this event on this day. He goes, I can't. He goes, why? And he said, oh, well, um, you asked me not to tell you. Hmm. Right. And he had booked a ticket to Houston. And I remember so distinctly, this was 13 years ago. I think to the day, actually. Oh my wow. goodness. Yeah, how bizarre. I just realized that. Or maybe oh. within three days. Yeah. Um, I remember driving him to the airport and saying, I don't know what waits for you over there because it was such a strong pull. I said, I have no idea what is on the other side of this plane. But I said, it, it, it will de um, tear apart our family. It will destroy our marriage. We will be done. I said, you do not have to do this. We can turn around now. You can end it. And he said, no, I know you cannot understand, but I have to do this. Wow. So he got on the plane and... So at that time you had some suspicions, it sounds like. It was very bizarre for him to be so adamant about needing to fly there and having so many different excuses. And hiding it from you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying... that you wanted him to hide it from you. Right. <clears throat> so it was a, very bizarre as it was. and But here he even had you take him to the airport, too, to pursue that I mean it's not even like he went to the airport by himself right you know, so. so at that time um, our regional director was living in Houston mm. and so he said okay well I just need support I'm having a hard time that we're the only ones on staff in all of Mexico I need extra support and so he went to Houston three days later our boss emailed me saying I'm confirming he's coming in tonight I'm emailing both of your accounts just to make sure that his flight arrives tonight. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So many, just my head began going so many different directions. What do you mean both of your accounts? What do you mean he arrives tonight? He landed days ago. Um, I tried calling him. I had no idea that my husband had changed our boss's phone number and our contact list. So I couldn't call the man. So I had to email him and sit there. And for hours before the man called me back and he said, no, he's not here. Wow. Yeah. And 
So through that process, my boss helped me locate him. I was in Mexico, and so I couldn't call 1-800 numbers from there. And so he helped me, you know, trying to call my credit card company and looking at charges. But it took much longer than it would from here just because of um, just from being in a different country. And eventually you had a child. Um, I was a month away from having a child. Oh, wow. Which was, <laughs> I can call it funny now, but um, I left three days <sighs> Nothing later. Nothing funny. No, it's not it. funny, but um, I, I left the city, the country, three days later, and I was pushing the stroller because my parents had brought it down. It was about half the price to buy it in the States that, than it was to buy it there. And so I wanted to bring the baby stroller. Like, I had my nursery decked mm. out. I had everything. And I'm like, this stroller is coming back. I don't know why, but that was like, you had it, to have I it. had to have the stroller. Like, I've lost everything. Mm. I want the stroller. And, sorry. Um, I remember the airline attendant. She said, I'm sorry, ma'am, but you can't just bring the stroller. You don't have a baby. Like, I had the big belly, you know? She goes, well, it only doesn't count as baggage if you have a baby in it. And I lost it kind of like I'm about to do right now. And I said, you don't understand. And she had no idea what I was saying. You know, she's speaking Spanish and I, I was fluent, but I was just fluently a mess at that point. And she was like, okay, <laughs> you can take your, your stroller. And that's pretty much what I left the country with was a stroller. Wow. And then your, your baby that you had here you know, you, you, so you had your baby. Yeah. And your, so your marriage ended because of that trip. And so you found out a lot of other things that had been secret. This was the tip of the iceberg. There were other things going on. Right. Uh, and, and as you mentioned earlier, Pastor Moreland, you can't hide your sin. It finds you. It does. We don't really and ever hear about evil, bad people who don't get found out. They get found mm, out. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I'm just, you know, I'm just saying when you sin, we, it, it always comes to light. And as a Christian, you want it to be found out, mm -hmm. in my opinion. The scarier thing is to exist in a world of darkness and you not be found out. Mm -hmm. yes. That God God has taken his hand off of you or somehow has departed fellowship with you. Uh, and, and, and he just say, okay, John, if that's your choice, go ahead. That's scarier to me than being found out. I also think, you know, when we were talking and I asked you, Stacey, how you found out, it's the same thing with the Ashley Madison case. You know, there's one thing, we all make mistakes, Christian, whatever, you know, we're human, we make mistakes. It's another thing to own up and admit it before you're found out. I think that's where forgiveness can come in and real healing. Like, you know what? I made a mistake, Stacy. If, if that I'm came out. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to get right. on plane like you know, she offered him that I'm, opportunity. I'm having an affair and I need help because I want to work on our marriage. I mean, that's still a big bombshell. But at least you know he's coming to terms with it and he wants to fix it versus these Ashley Madison people are like, now that they're found out, now I'm sorry. Yeah. Now forgive me. Now, you know, I, I won't do it again kind of thing. I think there's a difference, you know. There's a huge difference. I was thinking about it this morning and I believe infidelity is very cowardly, you know. Um, oh, I agree. You know, I get that marriage is hard. I get that we all have problems in our relationships. Just we're two humans. Mm -hmm. Put us side by side. It's not always going to be pretty. Well, you know? Pastor Moen says it's a recipe for disaster marriage. He goes, you put two people from different <laughs> backgrounds in an 1,100 square foot condo. It's a recipe for disaster. I'm like, oh, thank By you, all Pastor. human accounts, it is. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's so cowardly to take something so sacred yeah. and demolish it like that. You know, it's one thing to be tempted. I get that without a doubt. 
it's one thing to stumble into something. I don't know how many people intentionally set out to have affairs. Well, I don't know. But Ashley Madison. That's, Mad- that's that, what this account is. That's true. They're going on it. At right. least Ashley Madison accounts. And again, if you're just joining us on the good news, Pastor Moreland's here. Therapist Lisa Dunning. Also my friend Stacy Voss. She's coming in to talk about the pain of an affair and her experience because I think that it, we need to hear what the person goes through who's on the other end of the cheater. And uh, these people who go on to these Ashley Madison accounts, they are they are specifically going on to cheat or at least mm-hmm. find out more about cheating they're interested in you know what they're opening the door to that because you have to spend money I didn't know how it worked but I was reading that one guy had like you know 65 transactions and you have to pay for points to message people so the more charges you have the more you've attempted to mm-hmm. get in touch with people because they make you pay to reach some of these people wow I think, you know, and not to blame it on this, but I think with all this social media, one, it makes it so easy to have an affair. You know, you could now, instead of going out and meeting someone, you're meeting someone in your own living room, so right. to it's speak. It's not bumping you know? into somebody no. at work that you become right. emotionally attached to, that gradually the relationship exactly. grows. You just log into an account and look at pictures right. and pick someone that you may want to have an affair with. It's bizarre. It is, you know, and I think maybe... Because of that, men and women are, I'm sure women are on this too, obviously. They're having right. to the women someone, get, I, right? I read, I read all about it. The women get free accounts. And oh, so interesting. Then it, yeah, they get free accounts. And, you know, some women have said that they like to, there aren't any attachments. They can have an affair with a married that's man and there's less say. commitment involved or something. In their, and I think wow. that's what a man sees too. Because men in general are very visual people and they can get aroused visually. So I think that, I think it is almost a detachment that they don't really realize and that's why it's great you're here, that what they're doing is really affecting someone and is jeopardizing their marriage. And I don't think, I don't know if it's uh, an addiction. I don't know if it's an ego trip. Um, I don't know if it's just because they can do it. I don't think they sit there and thinking, you know what, if I meet someone and have an affair, I'm going to hurt my marriage. I think they think they could have it all. I think they do. I remember one of the things that most upset me as this became more apparent and as I was working through and really trying to figure out what am I going to do? Like it became my decision, my decision alone. Do I reconcile? Do I walk away? What do I do? And it infuriated me to say, you know what? He never thought about me. He didn't think about our daughter. It was this act or plural, honestly, of acts of, you know, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. And yet it fell on me at that point to determine, you know, really to decide what his life was going to look like, what my life was going to look like, what our daughter's life was going to look like. And even as you're saying about the family, I I started finding out more information. Like I said, I was in Mexico. It took a lot of work to get information. I eventually got a hold of this company that we were using, kind of like a phone company. We would call them. It would dial us back, and then we could call the states. It was cheaper than just calling directly uh-huh. at the time. And I called them. I think I called at like one o'clock in the morning. I was crazed maniac because you know, mm-hmm. pregnant mama finding right. all this uh, yes. stuff out. And I called them, and they said, "No, sorry, ma'am, we can't give you this information. We can't tell you the you know five most frequently called numbers." And I'm persistent, and you you find this stuff out, and you have a way of getting what you need. And so, I got. I didn't know it at the time, but I got the home number and the work number of his primary mistress. Mm. And I remember talking to her. I talked to her for an hour and a half on the phone the next day. And I mean, well, that was after I called work and they're like, oh, she's out of, she's on vacation today. She has a friend in town. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that would be my husband. Thanks. Um, But I talked to her and 
Did she know he was married? She did. She thought he was a social worker, so she had no idea that he was a missionary, that he lost his job. Um, she was married, had four or five kids. I wrote down the names of all of them. I prayed for them forever. She was like, please do not let my husband know. He will kill your husband. And I'm kind of like, um, well, if you're, that's a risk, then you should not have been doing this. Like, hello. You know, and she acted like she was innocent. Oh, he came looking for me. But they found each other on some sort of chat line. So this feigned innocence really didn't go over with me. You know, wow. you told me about this about three years ago, and I still remember you sitting in here and you were getting on that flight. Mm -hmm. And I remember, do you remember telling me how you looked out the window mm -hmm. and what you felt that second you looked out the window of the plane? Yeah, so I boarded the plane and... I could not look out the window. I saw the Gulf, the Gulf of Mexico, and it just got smaller and smaller. The land um, went off in a distance. And I could no longer look out the window because it was just water separating me from the place that I loved, the place that I wanted to live, the place I had worked for years to get to, had raised support for years to get to, the place where pretty much all my friends were, where I knew these kids. I had left these kids without saying bye because how do you possibly go to them? And I was such a mess. I couldn't put a coherent sentence together, let alone to talk to a very young, vulnerable teenager and say, hey, you know that guy that's been like discipling you and doing Bible study with you? Let me tell you why you will never see me again. So we got on the plane. And as the Gulf just you know became larger and larger and the land disappeared, I could not look out the window anymore. And I just stared at the seat in front of me and eventually started making a list of different questions I was going to ask him when I saw him in person and just different things attempting to occupy my brain if such a thing is actually possible. And eventually I felt a huge pull, like literally tugging my head to look outside. And I'm like, God, this is cruel. Like, do not make me look out. I don't want to see that it's, mm -hmm. it's gone. And it was so strong that, I mean, I almost tapped the, the seat on the people in front of me. I'd talked to them before the before the whole stroller incident in the airport and um almost was like are, are you feeling like you have to look outside and finally i turned my head and there on a huge football field um it said humble written across a football field wow. i'm very slow i'm very dense god um mm -hmm. has to write things on a football field <laughs> for me to get it apparently um since learned there's a city outside of houston it's called humble or in houston they pronounce it umble or something mm -hmm. of the sort um it was God's gift to me, and I couldn't understand it. It took me a long time to understand it. But I met him face-to-face -face in Houston. My mom came to support me. His dad was You there. actually sat him down and asked him questions. I did. Yeah. When did this start? How did this start? How many? All this stuff. And then eventually I asked everybody to leave the room. They were scared to do so, but they finally did. They thought it was safe. And then I said, I need your forgiveness. And I'm not entirely sure what that was for. But it was to, to prevent me from being completely bitter and having that take over my life. Uh, whoa, StacyVoss.com if you want to reach out to Stacy. Thank you for explaining to us what it feels like to be on the receiving end of someone who's unfaithful. Uh, therapist Lisa Dunning, Life Support Behavioral Institute, and also a therapist, uh, pardon me, Pastor John Moreland, Denver Christian Bible Church. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. This is where love lives. 810 KLVZ. 
Hey, it's Angie Austin with the good news. You know, do you have dreams that you'd like to reach, goals, desires? Are you hurting? Are you sad? Have you had a loss? I have the most wonderful thing for you. Last year, I said, I'd love to get some of the great speakers from around Denver and have kind of like our own women of faith. So it's called Real Women, Real Issues, Real Solutions. Last year, the women said it was life-changing, and they asked us if we would do it again. So we have six wonderful speakers, myself included. I'm going to be talking about, uh, do you want to be a victim or a victor? Beatrice Bruno, the drill sergeant of life, talking about letting go of the past. We're going to talk about reaching your goals with Carrie Conley. Michelle Ron, Miss Senior America, talking about choices and aiming towards Christ. Angel Tussie, radio host on AM560, talking about how she resurrected her marriage and her home life and how to have home life in balance. And no one has a better life than Angel. And Diane Lopes, talking about money and trust. I have to tell you, as a Christian woman, I feel so blessed to be part of this. I would love for you to come. AngieAustinRadio.com for tickets October 3rd in Highlands Ranch. Do you ever feel like you're just searching for a church and you just can't find the right one? Well, I must have looked for about 10 years. I have to tell you, I've never been so excited to go to church. I feel that Pastor John Moreland, my pastor, that's you, John, um, has a real gift for teaching. And there's so much love in that church. And I've never felt more welcome. And I have to tell you, Pastor Moreland, I just... I, I love going to church now. I learn something every week, and, I, and I, I just feel so blessed by you. It makes me cry. Well, I'm humbled to hear you say that. Denver Christian Bible Church is about two things. One, we want to make genuine connections with people, and two, we want to genuinely connect those people to Jesus. Thursday night, we connect. You can go to dinner. You get to know people. And then on Sundays, I just feel like it's a time of getting together and learning, and I feel I'm always hugged. I've never been hugged so many times in my life by people who are really happy to see me there. And so I feel like I'm growing, but I also feel like I have a support system at Denver Christian Bible Church. So if people would like to come, how do they reach you, Pastor Moreland? Please go to our website. You can download our sermons for free and find out where we are, denverbible.org. Hi, it's Angie Austin. Have you ever thought about mentoring someone? Well, guess what? We need you. The Denver Rescue Mission needs mentors for kids and adults. Hello, Alexa with the Denver Rescue Mission. So how can we help you? Uh, you can sign up to be a mentor for a child or an adult, um, people who are um, in one of the Denver Rescue Mission programs. Um, and you basically sign up at denverrescuemission.org. And for mentoring, there's a little bit more involved. You may have to do a background check in some of those things. But it's a, a few times a month commitment. And you can spend, you know, an hour or so with a kiddo or an adult and really pour into their lives a little bit when they've come from some some situations in their lives and just be a friend. Yeah, be a friend. And you've been mentoring someone and you find mentoring that young gal very satisfying. I do. I'm mentoring a 14-year-old girl and it's been just a blast. So I really encourage you to, you know, look into it. And give us your website again. DenverRescueMission.org. This is a good place. I really like it. This is Eric. He's an ambassador with ARC Thrift Stores. Yeah, I started at the Brick Break and sorting the different Brick Break stuff also. Then I went to the showcase and then I got hired to be a cashier. He knows that with hard work and dedication that he will advance in the workplace because he also knows. They trust you to do a good job. And he loves where he works. I'm the opening cashier, so I'm there from 8 a.m. to 4.30 and I have to make sure the registers are ready to go. The right tags are on the computer so we could get the right discounts on there and make sure there's enough bags. Support ambassadors like Eric and the differently abled people in your community by shopping at ARC Thrift Stores. It's a very good place. It's Everybody's real positive and it feels good to be around that. ARC needs your donations of gently used clothing and household items. To find the most convenient donation station, donation box, or ARC Thrift Store location, go to arcthrift.com. 
That's ARCthrift.com. Yeah, overall, I'm very happy and thankful, like I said, about art. This is the place where love lives. 810 KLVZ. All right, I could not end the show without knowing what Stacy Voss, uh, what happened to Stacy Voss when she asked her husband, who'd had an affair, for forgiveness. Okay, so let's just recap. Pastor Moreland's here, therapist Lisa, also Stacy Voss, and Stacy's telling us what it's like when your husband cheats on you, because this actually Madison thing has been in the news. So you met your husband, you wanted to speak with him, you you'd found out about his affairs, plural, and you said you asked him for forgiveness. Did this just come over you? Was it a plan? No, it was written on a football field, and if it was for any other reason, I would not have done it. But it said humble, and I'm like, what does that mean? And I really felt God was like, you need to humble yourself. And I, I'm, I've been prone to fight with God, and that was one of them. Like, you know, up in the air going, are you kidding me? No, God, you got this backwards. Like, he cheated on me, and I just left the place that you called me to, and I don't know if I'll ever be back again. And he's like, yeah. This ministry was a lifelong dream for you to be in Mexico ministering to these kids. Yes. You spoke Spanish. You lived down there. And when your husband had an affair, you got fired, too, and had to go back home, and your dream was ripped away from you. And you sat down in front of your husband at the airport when you flew home a couple days away. Away from having your baby mm-hmm. and asked for his forgiveness. Yes. How did he react? I honestly don't even remember. I know we both just cried, but um, even to this day, I don't know if I even could say for certainty why I apologized other than it was written on a football field and God said, mm-hmm. do it. And if God's going to like write it on a football field, then okay, I'll do it. You know, um, I really think it was just something to set me free because I easily could have been so embittered living my whole life of going, how dare you? Who are you to do this to me? And why would you do this? And you made these promises. And yes, he did. And I didn't ever say, I forgive you for the fact that you do it. And it's okay. I did not say it was okay. I did not say this is behind us. You did it 24 hours ago, but Hey, it was not anything like that. Um, I mean, so much. So we, we ended up starting the journey towards reconciliation. I moved in with him probably eight months down the road. Even when I moved in with him, I said, you know, I will not hang this over your head forever, but I still do not know. We're still in such limbo. I'm moving in with you as a step to move forward, but I really don't know what's going to happen. But I think when God had me just humble myself before him and say, I'm sorry, because I know any marriage obviously consists of two people. Um, He pulled the trigger in terms of having the affair. Um, Those were his actions, but I definitely have my role. I have my own baggage. I have my warped perceptions or my needs that are unrealistic. Um, Not saying that his infidelity was my fault, Mm -hmm. but God also freed me to say, you know what, I... I needed to take responsibility as well for some of the things in our marriage. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. I, 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 I do just want to reiterate because of the affairs and, you know, whatever else was going on behind the scenes that um, then you did end up ultimately divorcing. And yes. then you were the primary caregiver of your daughter um, who's not raised yet. Um, and, uh, you know, this destroyed the family. I mean, I just don't think when people meet someone um, at a hotel – um, or contact them on a website. I wish they could have a little glass ball that would say, "Oh, and when this all comes out, I'll lose my family. My parents will be disgraced. My wife won't speak to me anymore. My marriage will end. Everybody at church will know, and I'll lose my job." Hmm. Should I walk into room three hundred three at the uh, Hilton? 
to right. meet this person I want to have an affair with. That's what I wish, that they knew more about the ramifications of mm -hmm. this little, you know, fling. Absolutely. Pastor Morley, what? Go ahead. Yeah, can I add one thing? Yes, please do. Um, there is uh, a portion of the Bible that I always go to to deal with temptation and that I share with men all the time. And it's Proverbs chapter 5, 6, and 7. And it deals heavily uh, with the idea of divorce. And there are just probably eight or ten verses that I have circled in my Bible that I have lots of notes by um, that I always go back to. But one is towards the end of chapter 7. And it's, it hits on exactly what you said. And I'm probably going to mess up the exact wording. But the uh, almost quote is about what this young ignorant boy is what Solomon is writing to his son did not know he did not know that he was being led to the slaughter as sheep he did not know that his insides were getting ready to be pierced with the arrows of the enemy and then it concludes by saying he did not know it will cost him his life mm -hmm. adultery will cost you your life well, Stacy, we sure appreciate you sharing with us. StacyVoss.com if you want to get in touch with Stacy. Thanks for joining us on Therapy Tuesday. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.